0: Hello, all you pubby Clubbers and Reinventors, and welcome to the podcast. This is Leslie Jane Seymour. I'm the founder of pubbyclub.com and also of this podcast. Today I have for you somebody who's going to make you laugh, not intentionally. He's just hilarious. And um, his name is Sean Castrina and he's the founder of The Weekend MBA. He's a serial serial entrepreneur. He started more than 20 companies over the last 20 years and still wants to launch a new venture annually. He's the author of four best-selling business books, including Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success, and a whole bunch of others. And he does a short podcast, he says that's really to the point, which is called the 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. But he says it's the most popular business podcast on the planet. And you will see why he has the nerve to say that. He will explain that to you in our conversation that's to come. So I won't say anything else other than he's a hoot. And he's a so different from the women that I speak to because he has the guy thing going of confidence and all that stuff. Some women have it, some A lot of us still don't have it. Um, We will discuss why. And I hope you will enjoy listening to him. He has great tips for you. And please enjoy. Hi, Sean. So glad that you could join us.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, I love the chance. I have definitely never spoken to anybody who starts a new business a year. I'm completely intimidated because I have five years on my first business after being in corporate life. and it's hard. This is really hard. but I love it. I'm much, much happier. and many of the people who are listening to us are in the same situation. They may be in the process of figuring out what their next business is going to be or how to become an entrepreneur at a little bit of a later age. I would love to start by hearing your own, uh reinvention story how have you i'm guessing you're um serial reinventors my guess
1: (laughs) yeah well we did one big reinvention but no i was in graduate school had had kind of my dream job now obviously we're your your audience is slightly different but but the situations is, is it's kind of the same still. We, we all think we have a great situation until we hear these words. And unless you're in a car, you never want to hear these words. Yeah. Sean, we're going in a different direction.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. yes. The, gr-
1: the great words of leadership change over new staffing and whatever the case may be. So, you know, the job that I thought that I would just stay at and plug away and eventually be the CEO of at some point, that's what we all have. You know, in our 20s, we think we'll just work our way to the top.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Did not quite work mm-hmm. out that way. And so I took a job selling insurance. And when I was selling insurance for that one year, because I was, you know, I I, I don't recommend, this is another rule. I don't recommend like starting a business, like the week you get fired. Generally, your self-esteem is not at its all time (laughs) high. You're not making your best decisions. Um, I can give you a variety of reasons why it's probably not the best thing to do. Sometimes you just play defense for a little while. So I, I took a job to play defense for a year. And when I was doing that, then the entrepreneurial bug, which I had never had before, really hit me that instead of making other people wealthy, instead of having a job where I could be let go anytime there was a leadership change or for whatever reason, that I would, you know, start companies and kind of go, go that route. And that that's what I've been doing, you know, golly, for the last 27 years, I think.
0: So, what are you doing now? Other than that, are you—is that your job? Just starting new jobs, starting yeah, it's new a, businesses. Not, it's not a
1: bad gig. I played tennis this morning over at UVA, University <laughs> of Virginia, and played golf yesterday morning. And yeah, it, it's not—it's not a bad gig when you can do it well. Um, but the problem is most people don't do it well, and ninety percent of startups fail. You know, don't make right. it to the year ten, and half right. of them don't make it to year two to five, depending what stats you look at. But I think right. if you, you I think anybody with a few personal characteristics. What I say is, I can't fix stupid. I can't fix lazy. I can't fix lack of focus. Um, barring that, you know, if you have a few personal qualities, most people can, you know, above forty, assuming they know what their skill sets are and, and what they can monetize in, in, you know, what in their talent. Most people can at least with some energy and and, and some you know, a planning can replace their income in some form or fashion through entrepreneurship, even if it's just a, you know, one person, you know, giving out their services as a, you know, a contractor or a consultant.
0: Hmm. So what examples have you seen like that? What have you seen that you, you know, could, to, a good that people book. could mirror?
1: Okay. A good book would be by Dan Miller called 48 Days to the Work You Love. It, oh. was, a, it was a New York Times bestseller. Dan's a friend of mine. Um, and he talks about that very thing, you know, how can you go from doing what you don't want to do to doing what you do want to do? I'm giving him a plug for his book. But I, I think example, you know, if you're a bookkeeper for a company or you're, you know, you work in the accounting office, what skills do you have that other, you know, you know, that, that you could farm out to another company? You know, I mean, right. it's, you look right. at your, you just got to, you got to take stock of what it is you're good at. Now, if you don't have something that you can monetize, I I can't fix that necessarily. But typically, by forty, you're being paid for something, and you've been getting paid for something for a while. So you have to kind of look at that. You know, does that mean that you start your own business? Does that mean that maybe you know you find another company to work for? Maybe you partner in a business. Sometimes I find partnering is a great idea because two are better than one Mm. and there's better energy there and and you get momentum. But at the end of the day, you have to look at like, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to make a certain amount of money for the time and or skills and talent I have. And you have to take stock of what it is you have to offer. And and in my case, like my first business, it wasn't a sexy business. It was a car detailing business. I've never cleaned a car in my life, nor have I cleaned a car since then. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's not something I'm like, I wasn't like, I was like all excited about it, but when I was selling insurance, I had to go to these sales meetings every Monday. And it's the first time I was ever around like really expensive cars, uh, you know, and so I'd see all these cars out in front and I'd see my filthy, inexpensive car. (laughs) And I'd be like, it'd be great if my car got clean while I'm at this meeting. That way, when I go out and make sales calls, it'll look great. Now this, obviously there's a car wash every 600 yards now, but 27 years ago, that wasn't the case. And so I just literally sat there with a piece of paper and, like, okay, what do I need? I need like a van or a pickup truck. I need like a water tank. I need like a power washer. I need like a wet, dry vacuum. I need some soap. And I need a person who knows how to do this. Right. And then I go, okay, I got to make the phone ring. And I started, it was pretty simple. And I started calling, you know, even in other cities, trying to find other people that did this to try to get an idea of their prices. The moral to the story is I had a business plan done within a week and then I launched it very, very simple, advertised it like a ValPak type of item like that.
0: Uh-huh. I
1: made $35,000. This is 27 years ago, right. doing nothing, just setting it up. But, you know, there's a few things I did really well then that I still do now. The name of the business was Wax Master Mobile Detailing, not like Judy's Soap and Bubbles. <laughs> but that's what we do. No, women do that. You you all do that and you know you do. You'll come up with some cute thing that you came up with at a book club. Only three of you know what the hell you sell.
0: That's always true. That was, I used to run national magazines and we always used to find that wonderful title of the article that we came up with that was so fabulous and had puns in it. You go to okay. the research, no one read it because they didn't no, know what it was about. They
1: had no idea what it is. The name yeah. of your business, you know, unless you're a Google or an Uber, barring that, okay, if you have a business that's worth more than a, could be worth more than a hundred billion, disregard everything I'm gonna say.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But barring that, why don't you have a name where people hear it? And they know exactly what it is what you you're do. Selling. It, it sure point. does make marketing a lot easier. So okay. it was Waxmaster Mobile Detailing, you know exactly what we did. Number two is the tagline, America's choice in mobile detailing. Always grab the biggest brand position if nobody's had the audacity to take it, because nobody, somebody's just got to argue with you. That what are <laughs> they going to not... do? That guy and you know and so and so he's not the best. I am out here in Wisconsin. Great, we can right. have this fight and see who really cares. <laughs> um, but I, but I'm going to take it if you haven't taken it.
0: Very um, good. Okay. Right. The I phone like
1: num- phone number. In this case, your URL. You don't pick a name that you can't get the URL for your domain. OK, every name search starts with the domain. Like when I'm going through names, I'm, I'm on GoDaddy at the exact same second because you got to be able to get the two. Back then, our phone number, I still know it to this day was one eight eight. That's when you had toll free numbers. Oh. Nine nine three 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 eight two four it was one eight eight. We detail the point, oh,
0: the point okay. is,
1: is all roads lead to we detail automobiles. You can get so cute that you make marketing very, very difficult for yourself. Um, And so they were kind of the rules that I had. That business is still around. 27 years later, they just cleaned two of my cars. I sold it like five years in, but it's still a durable business model because people still need their cars and and SUVs and vehicles clean. People still don't have time or or want to take it to a car wash because they need the interior cleaned out because their kids are slobs or they have a dog or they have a BMW or Mercedes and you got the brake dust on the front wheels and no car wash can fit clean that, just right. running it through. You, you need to have somebody actually put some energy in there with a brush. So it, there's an audience for it. And, and I've been doing businesses of that nature. I like service companies, a service element that involves a human being.
0: Oh, that that's, you don't find that limiting. That's interesting.
1: See, I think it's just the opposite. I don't want a business that competes with Amazon Artificial intelligence or software? That's just me. I want I want a human being. A human being is still the greatest asset in the world. I mean, I, I read where AI at its greatest level is got the like the one percent brain of an ant. <laughs> okay. Seriously, I mean, it's got to do a repetitive thing. Like, just take right. the simplest thing. Could AI if an AI can do this? My marriage is completely obsolete. So, uh, <laughs> like, if if AI can come to my house climb up and clean my gutters. I'm done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I'm done. We're, mm-hmm. you know, or, or if they can change the, the, you know, do a front rotation on your car, take the tires off, rotate them. You, you know what I'm talking about? These are very simple things, but right. Amazon can't do that. AI can't do that. Software can't do that. Now people that are great with software, Hey, have at it. I'm not. Okay. I'm in my fifties. I, it doesn't even, you know, I, 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 software makes my head explode. I can barely update software. And even to do that, I need to call my son in.
0: Yes. Right. So, <laughs> Me too. Yes.
1: Right. so sometimes I think we we try to make a business too complicated. F- what was the last problem you have that you solved? Or the, la- you know, the last time you just bumped into something that, that aggravated and you were like, wow, why didn't somebody think of this? That's right. probably a good business.
0: Right. And don't assume that somebody already tried to do it and failed. That's what... That's what the next the next sentence is. Oh well, if it had been a market, somebody else would have done it. That's not necessarily true. And, and
1: I'm gonna make it take it even further. Competition still makes you a lot of money. There's a oh. lot of money in being second and third. Have okay. anybody ever heard of Little Caesars? Well, the guy who owns that owns a Major League Baseball team. Okay, Papa huh. John's. I mean, I can keep going down line. Okay, we, we, we love Chick Fil A, but I last I checked, Popeyes does okay, yeah. and so does Bojangles. And and I keep going down the line, you know, in a big market, there's plenty of room for 10 of you. But even in a small market, number two and number three, everybody wants a choice. So there's rarely going to only be one person. I, I don't care how good you are. Even if you're great, there's gonna be somebody who doesn't like you you can find an alternative position, find out exactly what your competitor's doing and find the one thing they're not doing that other people would like and carve your complete business model around that period. I personally like having a competitor. I think it gives you a measuring stick. Mm. It gives you what the market's willing to pay. Mm. It can, it shows you that it's working. It shows you that you can staff it. It shows you that it's durable, sustainable. I, To me, I don't want to reinvent the new wheel. I'm not that smart. I'm a lot smarter at finding somebody who's doing it and and paralleling something similar but better.
0: Interesting. And I like the fact, too, mostly that you're saying that you don't have to be an expert in the area already. I think that trips up a lot of um, women, especially a lot of us who've been working for a long time. We feel like we already have to be an expert. Like you were saying, I never detailed a car, but you saw oh, the opening, whereas a lot of women would say, well, I don't really know anything about detailing. I so would I say, I, yeah,
1: run an ad on Craigslist for an ad for an auto detail, you know, five, minimum five years experience, right? This is how you always get the good ones. If you ever want to start a business, you don't know something, this is a secret. Minimum five years experience and or put supervisor in there.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: That The word supervisor eliminates you know, the, the guy who's just starting. So if you put minimum five years ex, experience and crew supervisor, potential supervisor opportunity, that allows you to get the, the next tier person. Uh, this is what you, sometimes you do, you know, uh, ownership potential opportunities for uh, for an equity position. There's a lot of ways you can word and ad that gets that next tier of a person that possibly could even partner with you in that business, or or at least you can do profit sharing and they can take over the understanding the business side of it for you. I I didn't know any of the businesses I started. I I, listen, I started a, 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 an auto detailing business. I started a direct mail business that I had in 21 cities, went to more homes in the Sunday, Washington post, did not know anything about that business, did not know anything about graphic design or anything to do with it. Um, I started a handyman company that now is an eight-figure business. Uh, I to this day I own a plastic toolbox that I got when I was married. I do not know the difference between two screwdrivers. I do like the I like <laughs> do the cross one or the one that's really flat. Right, right. Okay. Um, the, my most talented thing I can do in the house is tell my wife whether her pictures even or not. Like I stand <laughs> back and go, no, lift the right side up. But she's the one installing it. So you, you don't have to. I've started. I started, I have a huge digital marketing company where I met a guy who had worked with companies in the top 100, you know, fortune 100 companies, but he was an employee at a radio station. So I I looked down the road. So I I was seeing down the road. He necessarily wasn't seeing it, but so I hired the radio station to do digital marketing for me on one condition. He handled it for me. Nobody else, this guy. I I knew from day one, I I was going to partner with him. And then I said to him that he had to come to my office once a month and explain everything he did in under 15 minutes. <laughs> but I was a white way. I mean, I spent a lot of money on advertising and fairness. Like I do okay. Super Bowl ads, et cetera. Oh my God. So, so okay. yeah, they like to spend money with me. So everybody was meeting with me in my conference room. All the TV radio stations were trying to get digital marketing. It's like four years ago. And I didn't understand it. I met with this one radio station and there was one person in there that was super smart and was explaining everything to me in a way that I could understand it. And I reached back out to the next, I threw away everybody's business cards and I took his business card. I called him up the next day. I said, James, I like to hire ABC to do my digital marketing on one condition. You handle it. And again, you come to my office and explain it to me within, you know, for 15 minutes, tell me what I did, how it worked, what didn't work, what you're going to do to make it different. Because I, I hate getting those like spreadsheets and stuff like that, oh that I have God. no idea what it is. Right. And then I close the conversation off with this, James, you're going to come work for me, or you and I are going to be business partners at some point. And he jokes about it. Now I was with him this morning. He's like, you know, because when you said that, I wasn't like really sure because you're cocky enough where I thought I, he, he might actually believe this. He's like, you give off that, like you give off that, like, I'm not necessarily sure he's joking. And, and that was in November. And in May of that year, he did such a great job. We, we were just really helped our digital marketing, which we, which was non-existent at the time with our company. And I said to him, I said, hey, have you ever taken your family to Disney world? And he goes, well, no, but we, we you know, we would like to, everybody like to send their kids to Disney world. So right. I, I paid for he and his family to go to Disney world. Oh my and he, Lord. and he's like, why would you do that? I said, remember what I told you the first time I talked to you, this is my down payment.
0: Aww.
1: So I gave him, I was 3000 bucks. I remember I gave him a $3,000 check credit card. I said, you got three grand, go spend it, go buy tickets, buy it, do whatever you want to do. That went on for another year. He did a great job with my company. And it was like October, a year and a half later. And I said to him, listen, you are the digital marketing department in your company. So this is why people need to listen to the story, because this might be the case with you. And I said, you're the digital marketing department. Did you sign a no compete? And he goes, Um. no, no, no compete. I go, okay, they're in real trouble right now. I said, I want you to go in, and I want you to ask for a twenty-five thousand dollars raise. He goes, they'll they'll never give me that. I said, no, they're going to give you that because they don't. You and I are going to start a company. I said, so that's the fallback position. And I said, if they don't do it, I'll I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee your pay, whatever you're making right now, I'll guarantee it for one year while we're starting this company. I said, but because your mom, your his wife was a stay at home mom, smaller kids, and all that, I'm like, I will just try to get 25 grand because it's a corporate, you got health insurance, blah, 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 blah. You know, we all like to hear that wives love that or husbands love that. Right. Um, But they jerked him around for like two months and his boss was like, "Uh, you know, being an entrepreneur is not all that it's cracked up to be. I said, great, tell him you'll be leaving. Um, And this was like on the 26th of December, January 1st, we started it. By the end of the first month, I connected him with enough of my poker buddies to Get to make enough and in, in get enough under contract digital marketing because they were all business owners to cover his salary. Like within 30 days, I had his salary covered. And now we're, you know, we we do incredible. You can look it up. It's Gig Strategic. So, you know, I'm for real. The person who's a co-founder, his name's James Burton. So all this is a real story. And, you know, and now we're getting ready to franchise it. The point is I didn't know anything about digital marketing. Number wow. one, Nothing. Uh-huh. And I've been doing this for 27 years. You don't have to be. You just need to partner with someone who is. You gotta partner with somebody who is. And I've been, like I said, I've been doing this, whether it was auto detailing, whether it was direct mail, whether it was a handyman company that turned into eight massive divisions and does everything but solar right now, which we're gonna be doing in October. And then (laughs) digital marketing, you know, I founded the Weekend MBA. That was a partnership as well at the time. You know, the, partnering is one of the easiest ways to get something off the ground. If you if you're not really that, you don't you know you're not quite sure of yourself yet.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about because you're the typical guy that we hear about. This is this is a difference you may not know this. Okay. When women apply, when men apply for a job, there's a job. This is a, a very old study that's been done. They they ask for you know ten requirements. A guy sees four of them that he has, he applies. A woman looks, she sees 10, she has nine, and she wants to go back to school to get the last one. It's such a different mindset. Like your mindset is just so incredibly different, That not for everybody, but for a lot of women. How would you get the women across that barrier? That Um, is, you know, so we feel like we are never, I mean, Look, we haven't had, you know, we haven't had as much experience historically in the workforce, obviously. We've only got two generations that have even been working full time completely. And um, there's just a difference. Men are a lot cockier than women. They they are, you know, self-assured. I mean, they have a lot of, a lot of support out there that women have not had.
1: Well, there's a great quote by a person that's quite controversial. He's kind of heavy. He lives down in mar lago but he did oh, say, I I'm just <laughs> going to say, because it's a great quote though. It's a great quote. And, and guess what you, from the mouth of a fool, you can still yeah, learn something. That's okay, true. Isn't that true? So disregard the person. This was a phenomenal quote at the time, because you're going to hear this quote at the time he gave it and look what's happened since, and just put yourself in this situation. So on the Phil Donahue show, and somebody had said to him, you know, you're so cocky. So arrogant. We know he is, right? But his answer to that, he paused and just really looked her her in the face and said, you show me a man with no confidence and I will show you a loser every time. And I'm going to tell you, there's not a truer statement made. You've got to fake it a little bit. You've got to have, if you don't believe in yourself or at least can fake it, nobody else is going to buy into you as well. That that if you look at what successful people do, they 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 fake it a little bit if they have to, but they you know the old thing where you know you look in the mirror and you, in the morning go you can do it, Susie, you can do it. Right. Well, there, right. There's some truth to that. Right. That you've got to you know you've got to muster up some confidence, and, 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 and because if you don't, nobody can fix lack of confidence. I got to send you to a counselor, a shrink, or a life coach
0: but it's our history. Our history. Well, you got to break it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to
1: I mean, we can go back and forth on on that and we can get into struggles, you know, because whatever the case may be, Hey, guess what? Life is not easy. It's harder for some than others. I got that. But if you're asking me what you better do, you better grab on the three or four that, you know, you can do in those nine and beat the horn, beat the drum. Somebody says, well, you can't do this. At... You're right. I'm, I'm not probably not as good as that, but I'm phenomenal in these three things. That's what a guy would do. Right. If you told me the seven things I couldn't, I go, I shouldn't be doing those. That would be my, why would I be doing these when I could pay somebody else to do these? But these three things, these are the three that move the needle and I am world class at these. I am world, <laughs> no, that's how I would answer it. Right, if somebody right, literally right, said right. to me, Sean, you stink at these nine. I go, yeah, right. because I never wanted to be good at those because I can get anybody at $25 an hour to do those. But you know, this number one thing, I'm the best you'll ever interview for that.
0: Talk and a little bit about ageism. Let's talk about okay. ageism. Have you seen that out there? And what have you seen? The difference. You have seen any difference between Age. men Am and my, women in ageism? Or I, I love
1: know, I love. I mean, all I know is my mother works for me, and she's seventy-seven and part-time people. I'm not running a. a you know.
0: <laughs> okay. Let me be clear.
1: Okay, she does thank you cards. It's not and, a
0: sweat. No, watch. not a sweatshop, but yeah, this is really great. Up. If
1: you kn- We send out thank you cards with a little five-question survey, in it, and she has the best handwriting in the world. And oh, if anybody no knows what anymore. I'm talking about, yeah. nobody can write anymore. And a thank you card in cursive gets opened when it's written with a real pen. I cannot you, explain it to you. But, but you know
0: the millennials can't read that.
1: No, they can't. So I don't even want them <laughs> over. So they can't. To they can't afford me anyway. They can't afford yeah, my okay. company anyway. So right. my, my target car, uh, target audience is forty and above anyway. Okay. But, but but with that said, regarding ageism, it's how you market yourself. Again, you gotta look. You gotta look at yourself like a company, like a brand, whatever the case may. Be. My my in-house bookkeeper is in her seventies, and I literally I told her I said, if something ever happens, Linda, and you pass away. I'm going to prop you up in your seat for like another year. That's how valuable she is to me. Uh-huh, of course. So she, it's all how you market her. To her, I get steady. I get no drama. I, you know, it's not like she's ever saying, well, I got a school event today. I need to leave. One of my kids mm-hmm. are sick. I'm joking. We can go back and forth, but right, th- that's the upside. When I get a person over 50, I got experience. I got no yeah. home drama.
0: Yeah. I look at it that way too. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I I take a person over 50 every day, all day.
0: Yeah. I used to take the, I ran publishing products and I used to get people who'd been pushed out of publishing in the editor-in-chief job and they would come work for me and I would just have them work fewer days. We would tell HR. They were only working three days. HR didn't know. And um, because I had to pay them less, but it was perfect. I got all their experience for less. It was wonderful. It was fantastic. And they were older than me often, but it was wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about your books and the things that you do. You have a podcast just so everybody knows where to find you and where they can find all your encouragement and all of your hilarious cockiness. I was
1: going to say, I'm not sure if I have the gift of encouragement. Um, all right, here you go. Um, you know, if you go to seancasterina.com, my name, you can get, download a free book called the eight unbreakable rules for business startup success. If you're trying to start a company or grow, it, it will absolutely help you. And if you have one that's struggling, it will absolutely help you. If you do go on social media and I'm not a social media person, but I do Instagram, um, you could find me on Instagram, but Sean Castrina and the Ten Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like something very quick to the point where I don't drag out, you know what we're talking about. It's it's just a great podcast. If you want to learn how to start and grow a business, that's a Ten Minute Entrepreneur Podcast.
0: Oh, those are fabulous! Anything else you'd like us to know about being an older entrepreneur?
1: I, listen, entrepreneurship is so incredible if you think about it. Nobody can fire you. I love that. Just think that is my greatest motivation because I'm going to work until literally they're going to have to be like not knocking dust off me.
0: Right. I'm not saying I'm going to work. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm
1: going to work full time. I I mean, listen, Warren Buffett's like 89 and he's still doing it. Why? Because nobody tells him what to do. Nobody's telling him when to get to the office, when to leave, what he can do, what he can't do. We don't like working when we're being told what to do. When we're telling ourselves what to do, we can create a schedule that we like and we're doing only the things that we like. I think we'd view retirement much different.
0: And I don't think many in our generation want to retire.
1: I don't. It's too, listen to me, I do really well imagine? for a living. It's hard to replace your income when you have none. That You want to talk about like drilling into whatever you've saved when nothing's coming in, but you, you that, that, that's just not a fun feeling. i I, I don't believe in it. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a faith-based guy. I've never read it anywhere between Genesis and revelation. There's nowhere I've read anything close to the word retirement anywhere. Um, you know, in any faith, may I just say. Um, so I I think if you can, you know, if you you got your senses about you do something until they put you in the grave, I think it helps you.
0: (laughs) And I, yes, it keeps you alive, keeps you in touch. I just don't understand this idea of being connected, involved, sharing, giving, growing, and then suddenly you stop. It
1: I'm makes not, no sense.
0: Makes no sense to me either.
1: I, I would think that I'd be better in my 60s, seventies, and eighties. My leadership, my confidence in myself. If they only just prop my head up on a conference table and just <laughs> ask me questions, seriously, just ask me questions. In my eighties, I would be quite valuable. In my nineties, I'd be, you know, I might be a touch slower. But golly day, I'd like to think I'm I'm throwing out some wisdom. Charlie Munger with Warren Buffett's 96 or 97. He's still doing it.
0: Well, that's what they were saying as um, we were speaking. It happens to be the day after the Queen of England died. One of the things that people are saying that she, you know, she couldn't legislate. She couldn't. There were things she couldn't do, but she could always talk about the history that she'd already been through this, whatever it is. She had history, she had confidence, she had, you know, that sort of we've been through this before, we'll get through it again. Com-
1: the com- she had that calming nature. Yeah, she, mm. she was just the epitome of steadiness.
0: Steadiness, which you get when you've been through it. And yeah. that's one of the most valuable things you can you can have. Well, Sean, thank you. We are at time. We only do a quick 30 minutes here because everybody's on their way to somewhere. You are such a dear and we will find you on social media. We will find your book. And thank you for making me laugh. You will make everybody else laugh as well. Great. Thank you for having me. We appreciate all the things you do. And I'm hoping that somebody listening here is going to go out and start a business in something they see as a business, but they don't necessarily know anything about. I think that's fantastic. Thanks a lot. Thank you. So I want to thank you for listening to our conversation with Sean Castrina. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed speaking with him. I hope you got a lot of tips and tricks. If you're interested in reinvention, I hope you'll mosey on over to thecubbyclub.com. We have a wonderful download for you, our 31 tips to getting your reinvention started without fear. Please grab that. Those are all the things I've learned in the last 10 years about reinvention and just put into the spyglass um, where it says search any word you want it could be reinvention it could be entrepreneurship whatever it is we have hundreds of essays and how to's and everything to get you started there and if you enjoyed this podcast please follow us and if there's room or a place for you to give us some stars give us some give us five stars and give us a comment as well And we hope to see you on the next podcast. So take care.